and to see lives transformed here at Mercy. So, and with that, Gary, come on up to continue in our series, Like Jesus. Thank you, sir. Good to see you, my friend, Elliot, and all the pastors who uh, held it down uh, while I was uh, not here. Thank you all, and thank you all for your support. Uh, Let's open up in prayer, and we'll jump right into today's uh, message. Holy Spirit, we, we need you. We invite you to come. Show us how to pray. Father, we want to be more and more like Jesus. Would you continue to mold us and shape us to be more like that image of Christ? Would you continue to develop us even in today's service, this worship experience that we could celebrate you and be transformed all at the same time? For none of us have arrived yet. But we're all on this continuous journey, this journey of love, to love you more as you continue to love us. Now, would you move me out of the way, that your word would go forth, and that people's lives would be impacted for your glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Does anybody here know what a PDA is? What are PDAs? Okay, there we go. Public displays of affection. And sometimes public displays of affection could be wonderful to watch, right? To see a loving couple holding hands while skipping through the park. I don't know when the last time I saw that was. Skip it. Uh, It's wonderful to watch a loving couple uh, embrace in public without the care of anyone else. It's wonderful to see a couple express their love by gazing into one another's eyes without any care or concern about time, right? Sometimes, I'll say, sometimes it's a beautiful thing to watch a public display of affection. I believe that uh, uh, one of the ultimate PDAs is this process of proposal, right? Have you ever seen a public proposal, somebody putting a ring on someone's finger and oh, sometimes they reject it? Oh, that's <laughs> awkward. Uh, but, but it's nothing better than seeing that public display of affection that leads to an engagement period that leads to a wedding ceremony, right? People who express the permanence of their love. Just a week ago, my wonderful wife and I, Lakita, uh, we celebrated our 13th wedding anniversary. And 13 years ago, I decided to publicly display my affection toward my wife. I, I put a ring on her finger. I, uh, uh, we walked down the aisle. We participated in the ultimate display, public display, in a marriage ceremony where we publicly declared our love toward each other, that we would be committed to each other, and nothing would break that bond on this side of heaven. We committed ourselves to each other. When we participate in baptism, baptism is that same commitment. 
In that ceremony of baptism, it is us telling God, I know that you love me. I know that you sacrificed everything for me. And I love you. And together, we want to be together. So I want to participate in this ceremony that shows publicly, that shows publicly our commitment and our love toward each other. That's what baptism actually is. Baptism is like putting a ring on it with Jesus. It's a celebration of love. What is love? What is love? This is a book that, a book that, a book study that we were doing on Wednesday, and I proposed this question to our group, and and it kind of knocked everybody for a loop. I said, what is love? And everybody was either giggling or they had their own definition. Everybody has a definition that they think of what love is. What is it? Is it the feeling of butterflies in your stomach when that someone that you're attracted to whispers that sweet something in a sultry voice into your ear? Is it that feeling, that ooey, gooey, googly eyes that you get, that feeling down in your soul when you're with the person who you want to be with forever? Is it the feeling of holding your newborn in your arms for the very first time? Today, as we continue our series called Like Jesus, we want to explore one of Jesus's many public displays of affection, his public displays of love. We want to investigate what love actually is and learn to love like Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles, why don't you flip them open or turn them on to Mark chapter number five. Mark five, we're going to be in verse number 21. And I'm going to be reading from the NIV version of the scripture today. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. You can also follow along on the screens if you so choose. It reads, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. And had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered. And yet you asked, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. 
Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. In the story, Jesus teaches us what love actually is by publicly displaying his affection for multiple people who are hurting. He's displaying public affection for people who are in pain, people who are going through something in their lives. Jairus is in pain. This is a loving father whose daughter is at the point of death. At this point in her illness, he probably has tried everything. He's probably taken her to every doctor in and out of town. He's probably, he's a, the text tells us he is a temple official. So I'm sure he's taken her to the temple for prayer. I'm sure that he's taken uh, uh, sacrificial animals to sacrifice just in case this is a situation due to his sin or somebody in his family. I'm sure he's exhausted his resources trying to care for his child. Those of us who have children, we can relate to Jairus because if our child was suffering, if our child was in pain, if our child was going through something that the doctors couldn't help them with, we would go the great lengths to make sure that they were well. We would go above and beyond. We would, we would go from state to state, city to city. We would travel overseas if we had to, to make sure our child was relieved of their pain. That's love. Jairus' daughter is also in pain. She's 12 years old. 12 years old, and she is at the point of death. We don't know what caused her pain. We don't know what caused her, her trouble. We don't know what caused her issue. We just know that she's 12 years old, and she's ready, or she's about to lose her life. Pain. You also have another woman that the number 12 is significant for. For 12 years, this woman, this other woman in the crowd has dealt with a medical issue. Constant bleeding. She's losing her life. Her loss of blood slowly exhausts her existence. Can you imagine This woman with this specific long-lasting medical issue in the first century? What could doctors really do to help her? Her skin color at this point is probably grayed out. It's probably obvious what her issue is as she travels through town. In this time, we know that Levitical law, Leviticus chapter 15, tells us that a woman in this condition would be considered unclean, ceremonially unclean. So she couldn't touch anyone, and no one could touch her. For 12 years to be separated from community. Can you imagine what this woman is going through? Can you imagine... Could you put yourself in her shoes for a moment? 
and feel the pain that she might be going through? The challenge of losing all your finances by trusting in doctors who are not able to help you. She's probably depleted in this culture. She's defiled. She's destitute. Desperate. Yet she reaches out to Jesus. Her last and only hope. She reaches out to the man that she hears about has been going around healing people. But she doesn't want to draw attention to herself. People would shun her if she did that. She's not supposed to be out of the house. But Jesus is in town, she heard. She doesn't call his name. She doesn't make a, a, a big fuss. All she does is she reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. Because she believes that if she can do that, she would be made whole. Now, Jesus could have been annoyed, right? We look at the, the facts of this story. Jesus could have been annoyed, upset. He's got the crowd pressing up against him. Can you imagine the situation? He's got people all around him. He's got everybody wanting something from him, but nobody's bringing anything to him. Have you ever been in that kind of a situation? Everybody wants to take, but nobody wants to replenish. Jesus could have gotten back on that boat and said, I'm going back across the water later for you guys. But no, we see something special. That Jesus shows his love through these concurrent stories. He shows his love by leading these people from their fear into faith. We're in a world that's full of pain in a variety of ways. Each one of us, I'm sure, has our own story. But I believe that Jesus is leaving us with an example of practical affection. That we all can learn from. I think that he's teaching us here what love is and what we can apply to our lives and to our hurting society. God knows we need it now. Sky Jathani, author, podcaster, he defines love in this way. He says in his book, What If Jesus Was Serious? Love is not a feeling. Real love means to will the good of another person. He goes on to say, to love is to act in a manner that is in the best interest of another, even if the person resists the action. I truly believe that the world that we live in, our country, our twin cities, our, even our own personal relationships would be better if we learn to love like Jesus loved. There are two actions that I want to highlight that Jesus took in this text today. There's two actions that I believe that if we just apply these to our lives, we can have a, a progressively better society that we live in. 
Let's look at two things that Jesus did. The first thing that he did was he listened. He listened. Love doesn't mean that we have to agree. But it does demand that we listen to one another. Jesus listens. Jesus listens to the cries of those in pain. Jesus listens to Jairus. Jesus listens to this woman with this bleeding issue. Jesus even stops to ask questions. He takes his time. Love always starts with listening. People all around us are struggling. They're in pain. People are being mistreated. People are being undervalued. People all around us are in challenges, struggles, pain. They're being mistreated. They are, uh, are going through uh, challenges. But often we miss it. We miss it. Because we have this cultural thing where we look out for number one. We have a cultural thing where we love to look in the mirror instead of looking at those around us. Just like in this text, there are a lot of hurting people around us today. People who are losing their jobs. There are people who are losing their income. There are people who are losing their homes. There are people losing their lives to increased bloodthirsty gun violence. There are people who are being mistreated, treated unjustly, the people who are in pain. Do you know why people are so uptight and contentious in our society today? I'm going to tell you why. Because no one's listening. You want to know how I know that no one's listening? Because everyone's voice is elevated. We have become a culture of shouters. All we do is argue. All we do is raise our voice. All we do is disagree. When people don't feel heard, they get angry. Tensions flare up. But watch this. When people don't listen, it's usually for one reason. They want their way. We become selfish. We become self-centered. And you know who are the experts at doing this? Cable news. Pundits who only express their view and then villainize and devalue their opponents. I hope y'all not still watching cable news. I hope that's a thing of the past. But I cannot think of anything that is, other than murder, that is 
more antichrist than what we see in our culture today. Because when we tear each other down and we devalue each other, guess what? We're doing that to God. Because he said, you are the image of God. You have been created in his image after his likeness. You devalue me, you devalue God. Unity can't be reached that way. Progress can't be reached that way. Love is not reached that way. If we want to advance as a society, if we want to unify, if we want this all blessed uh, uh, country and world and, and peace, we have to learn to listen to hurting voices. I believe Dr. Cornell West is incredibly correct in this statement. He says that there's one condition of truth, and that is to allow suffering to speak. Hear the voiceless. Hear the cries of the marginalized. Hear the cries of those who are in pain. Ask yourself this question. Am I listening to hurting people? Am I listening to those who are hurting around me? And watch this, not just victims, but there are people who are plotting and planning harm because they're hurt. Are we listening to them? My good friend, Ted Kim, pastor of the Evanston Vineyard Church, reached out to me after the uh, Buffalo Massacre. Just to, just to ask, how am I doing? Because he cared. I'm going to talk about it. I don't speak for all black people. But I do have to say, it is traumatizing to have the same news cycle repeated over and over again. Groundhog Day, but with real human beings dying. At the hands of hate. My Asian brothers and sisters, Dallas, Texas, Orange County, California, I empathize with you. If people would target human life and end the image of God in you because you're different. And it's quite disturbing to continue to see those who commit the crimes with murderous military assault-style weapons to be carried away peaceably in handcuffs and sometimes even taken to fast-food restaurants because they're hungry. Yet, folks who look like me are murdered 
for never owning one of those weapons, but having the weapon of the skin. Have you reached out to anyone who may have been affected by any of these tragedies over the last two weeks? Have you reached out to listen to anyone who might be in pain right now? Do you know anyone who is traumatized, who may be going through something right now, who might need just to hear your voice and that you care? Have you? If we're ever going to learn to love like Jesus, we've got to learn to listen. We've got to learn to care enough to reach out to our brothers and sisters and say, how you doing? And reaching out to our brothers and sisters might be of preventing the next massacre. Because those people are hurting too. There's one more thing that Jesus did to show love in this text, and that is to look. He saw these people. In this massive crowd of people all around him, people pressing against him, people pushing up against him, he saw this woman with this issue. He saw this man with a dying child. He gave them his full attention. The situation was he was on his way to heal Jarius' daughter, but then this woman interrupted him on his way. Yeah. Love is often an interruption. Are you willing to be interrupted? In the book group, on past Wednesday, one person told me that uh, 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 when they were marching for George Floyd, one person was upset that, oh, my goodness, they're blocking off the street. This is slowing me down. And she said, yeah, I think that's the point. Are we willing to be interrupted to love like Jesus? Hmm. Jesus, though, interrupted. He doesn't forget about his original mission. After he heals the woman with the issue of blood, he goes on and heals Jairus' daughter. He raises her from the dead because she actually dies. What can we take away from this? As I wrap this up, I know, worship team, you're looking at me. Pastor, you going on talking. But this is valuable. I think it's important. What can we take away from this? and apply to our everyday lives. I think that we need to see people and give people our full attention and time. Our time is the most valuable possession that we have. And when you give your time to someone, you are giving your life to someone. There is no higher level of living than to give of yourself to others. Jesus said that there's only two commandments. 
that you love God and you love others. When we give ourselves to others, it shows how much we really care. Because we're giving our time away. How do you spell love? You spell it T-I-M-E. The greatest gift you could give your spouse. The greatest gift you can give your child. The greatest gift you can give your family. The greatest gift you can give to God. The greatest thing you can give to your enemy is your time. And God will bless you for that. A couple of months ago, I don't know if he's here, but uh, uh, Rob Gagner, he stopped me in the sanctuary. I'm just walking through. And um, we had a conversation. It was a great conversation. And he said to me, just out of the blue, he said, can I pray for you now? And I said, of course. And he prayed for me. And I'm sitting there letting him pray for me. I'm like, wow. This is awesome, one, because he's hearing me. I I feel heard. I feel valued. But that was the most vineyard thing that he could have done. And I said, I'm home. So what is love? I think Paul, the Apostle Paul defines it best. He defines it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as love is patient, kind. Never jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. Love isn't selfish or quick-tempered. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs that others do. Love rejoices in truth, but not evil. Love always is always supportive, loyal, hopeful, trusting. Love never fails. If we learn to love like this, I think we can transform the Twin Cities. If we could learn like to love like this, we could transform some people's lives, some people who are hurting. If we can learn to love like this, we can make a difference in this country one by one, little by little, step by step. That's the definition of progress. We can make moves if we learn to love like Jesus. We need to learn to show the love of Jesus in practical ways. Uh, um, because the world is only going to know us by our love. Last week, I'll end with this story. Last week, uh, our prayer team and our outreach team, we got to uh, go out and hand out waters right here in the in Northeast. Uh, we went out to the street. And we handed out waters. We handed out snacks, granola bars. We got to uh, uh, connect with people. We got to pay for some people's laundry. We stood outside of a laundromat. It was an awesome experience, I think. And we got to hang out there and talk to people. We got to connect with so many people out there uh, on, I think, it's Central Avenue. And we got to meet our neighbors. We got to engage them in conversation. We even got to pray for people. And for, let me say this. I'm grateful to each and every one of you for committing to financially support Mercy Vineyard Church because it's because of your financial support we could do things like this. Practically show people the love of Jesus. But that's great, and I appreciate that. But I got to talk to so many people. Two of the people stood out because they both said the same thing. They both expressed to me how loving our actions were on that day. 
and how more churches they wish would do something that was real like this. People in the street saying they wish that the church was real. What are we doing? Another person told me how a load of laundry being covered can change his whole financial week. Love in a practical way. I thank Cassie Harvey for organizing that. I thank everybody who participated. Holly Daniels led us in prayer on the street. Sandy Russell, Mother Mary, our own uh, area leader, vineyard area leader, Miguel Avales. He came all the way out to talk to people in Spanish. It was awesome. I can't wait to do more like that. Listen, you all have Connect cards. If you want to participate in outreach events, I would love for you to write the word outreach on your Connect card. Worship team, y'all can come on up. As I ask you this question, who's hurting around you? Who's in pain around you right now? Are you willing to be interrupted? Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to see those who are in pain around you? Are you willing to love like Jesus loved? I'm going to ask you to make a commitment. On the bottom of your Connect card, there's something that says my next step. This week, would you take 10 minutes out of your busy schedule and listen to someone's story? Will you connect with someone who's on your job, in your neighborhood, your next door neighbor, and ask them about what they're going through? Just so you can listen to show the love of Jesus this week. I think as you give your time, Jesus will give time back to you. The ushers are going to come now with a basket. What they're going to do is hand you the basket. You can pass that basket down the road. Put your connect card in there. And if you have a gift,